Welcome to Astrology Today, coming to you not quite live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast and the Cafet region, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahomin Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and joining me as usual is Jill Kirby from Victoria, and we both are astrologers. Yay, us! <laughs> coming into another year. <laughs> um, okay, so on this uh, episode and possibly for maybe a couple of episodes to come, I am exploring the idea of um, using your chart as a vehicle for um, choosing time frames where you might, you know, try to get pregnant, um, arrange to get married, um, buy a house or, you know, sort of make moves in terms of your career or just do a personal makeover or whatever. So the timing techniques and, um, there are timing techniques that are like electional, which, um, focus solely on where the planets are today and literally picking days when the heavens, how they're all sitting out there, um, would, um, specifically support a particular action. But for instance, um, by the end of March, we, it'll be 30 years before Saturn is again in a sign that it's really happy in. And so, um, and you know, I mean, most of the other planets, the inner planets anyway, move quite quickly. And so, you know, you're not so scrambling for when would be a good time. Um, and so what what yeah, what the activity what, is and who's in charge of it. And yeah, yeah there's a lot of factors. You need a specific day and time. Yeah, exactly. And so that's when electional will come in. You know, you want a happy Jupiter that day. You want maybe the moon aspecting Jupiter, you know, for a, and Venus happy, not sandwiched between Mars and Saturn or something. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, but I'm looking at it more from, okay, if I was, so here was the premise I went with in uh, the workup for today's session. Um, I'm going to look at somebody who has had a pretty um, amazing timing for some successes in his life. And could a person have seen in his chart that those particular arenas were um, fortunate to begin with, um, or did that really matter? Um, and did the planet that was the happiest in the chart help to contribute to that success? Um, because my logic is if you find the happiest planet in your chart and you see what it rules, um, and you see where it might be in a given year, um, you know, is that a better time to do something? You know, and again, it depends on the specific talk topic. So the person that I picked for to see if my premise is even remotely useful uh, was Justin Trudeau, who had uh, a somewhat amazing uh, um, win in 2015 when he took the Liberal Party prior to that, which only had 36 seats, and wrestled 150 sit 50 seats away from the other two parties in order to gain a majority. And so, you know, obviously, 
his happy planet probably had something to do with that, or at least, you know, was evident then. And so that was the chart that I studied. And so what I propose to do today is to take you guys through my process of establishing so that you can do this with your own chart, who is the happy planet? And what does it rule? And who's the second happiest? And who's the guy you kind of want to avoid, right? You know, like you don't want to open the business if, um, you know, one of your malefics in your chart is really bad. <laughs> you might want to avoid the years that it rules uh, or the years where it's prominent, for instance. That's, yeah. Okay, so I am going to start by sharing my screen. And, and this is mainly from the Hellenistic. This is from the Hellenistic perspective. I thought I'd clarify that for yes. people yes. who don't know. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so the ancients had a, you know, a really tedious <laughs> and, and coming up with the analysis that I did with this guy's chart was incredibly tedious. And so Justin Trudeau, you know, born on Christmas Day, 1971, he has a Virgo rising. Um, he has traditional planets, Mercury and Jupiter are in Sag in the fourth house. Uh, the sun is Capricorn, obviously, it's in the fifth. Uh, Venus is in Aquarius in the sixth. Uh, Mars is in the late last degree of Pisces in the seventh, Moon is in Aries uh, in the eighth, and Saturn is on the midheaven in the tenth. Now this is whole sign houses, and so from Jill's perspective, the houses would not be quite the same for some of the planets, but in terms of analyzing it for this proposed technique, I would suggest using whole sign houses. Okay, so the very first step uh, in doing this is, like I say, one has to analyze, you know, who is particularly happy. And the very first place that we start is whether this is a day chart or whether this is a night chart. And obviously, um, this did this come up? Or is his chart still there? His charts there. Good, good. Okay. Didn't know if I would complicate my mess or not, but I'm not. Yay. Okay. So how do we know it's a night chart? Sun is below the horizon. Therefore, it's dark out. The moon is above, although the moon can be below as well. Um, and so the first thing we establish is, you know, with it being a night chart that makes um, these guys here, Mars and Venus, the go-to better right from the top, supposedly, planets um, that goes with the team leader of the moon, so uh, Mars and Venus. And then the other team is this thing. I just, somebody needs to tell me how to make this work properly. So the other team is the sun. And so on his team is Jupiter, and Saturn. So the malefic, not of the um, sect in favor, is considered the bad guy. So 
you know, of course, I'm immediately curious because it's up here on the 10th and I'm going, well, but he's prime minister of Canada. So how did he manage to get around this really poopy Saturn? Although, you know, I have talked in the past about how this has tripped him up a number of times. <laughs> the fact that it's, that it's not um, a well-placed Saturn. But obviously, there is some mitigation. We look at the other planet that is not of the sect in favor, the other benefic, and he's actually in really good shape in the sense that he's angular and he's in his own sign. So he rules that sign. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that almost makes him as happy as Venus. Okay, so the first thing one does then is you establish the sect. And then you go through and um, you analyze in the following ways. And this is taken from, um, let me just stop the share. So when you say sect, can you define that? Sect is a term that the ancients um, came up with. Yeah. It's a really good question. Well, and, just, and it's basically, they decided that the sun and the moon were the luminaries that yeah. facilitated life. Yeah. And so one of them could be more powerful than the other, depending on the time of day. Thank right. you. Yeah. But and that's it's that's, purely about the day or night. Chart. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Just because mm -hmm. I, 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 no, this is good. This is I good. I thought that's what it meant, but I, and Not being do, <laughs> yes, well, exactly. And do ask those questions because um, it will help with people who are more familiar with modern. And so the technique that I'm about to walk you through can be found in this series of books. Uh, there we go. Ancient Astrology and Theory and Practice. Uh, this is by our good friend, Demetra George, who both Jill and I have personally met at conferences and she is a wonderful woman um, and she would have until the um, beginning of the 90s have been just strictly considered a modern astrologer yeah she's um, yes yeah. a lot with the um the asteroid exactly and uh, in the beginning of the 90s when project hindsight kicked into gear she joined that team mm -hmm. um, and so her book is a really nice blend of ancient and modern thought. Although the emphasis in this particular set of books is more on um, how to actually work with the ancient techniques. So in this beginning analysis of you know, someone's planets, I am using the methods out of her first book. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just so if people want to you know, learn this technique, uh, <laughs> I recommend the books. Okay, so the first thing you look at, obviously, is dignity. So the sun has no dignity, the moon doesn't, Mercury is antithetical, right? He's in his antithesis because he's not in Gemini or Virgo, he's in Sag. Oh, did you want to chart up again so we can see? Okay, yes, yes, good point, good point, good point. Yourself. I like to see it while I'm hearing. Yes, well, and I <laughs> think they will too. Exactly. Okay, so let's get good old Justin back up on the screen. There we go. Okay, so um, 
yeah so mercury is there in the fourth house he he's you know would rather be anywhere else than sag um you know some would say he's in his fall okay real society and saturn is in too yes yes and we'll get to that okay so this is just your first take uh venus doesn't have any dignity in aquarius mars definitely doesn't have any (laughs) dignity in pisces Jupiter, though, is very happy. He's in his home sign. Um, Saturn, who is retrograde, has no dignity. Okay, so not much. The only guy that really gets some help here is Jupiter. Uh, So then we look at, um, so the night sect planets would prefer to be in feminine signs, and the day sect planets would be prefer to be in masculine signs. So we get a a bonus point for the sun it or no pardon me we don't we get a not bonus sign (laughs) because it's in a uh it wants to be in a masculine sign and it isn't um the moon also is not happy Mm -hmm. uh mercury is mercury is considered only in terms of whether it is a morning star or an evening star. And it is a morning star. So it will be happy to be um, with the sun team and not the moon team. Okay, so the moon team actually, even though it's not the one that's the insect of favor, has um, mercury. Okay, Venus is not happy, Mars is not happy. You know, these are in, Mars would prefer to be in a fiery sign. Um, So close. It's so (laughs) close, yes, exactly. (laughs) And of course we know Jupiter happy and Saturn can be happy though because it is in a masculine sign. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the next thing you look at is are the sect teams together or not? Okay, so the moon is obviously above the horizon and Mars is too. So yay for the moon and yay for Mars. But the other team member is not above the horizon. So no help there. Um, In terms of the um, sunset, uh, you don't count by hemisphere uh, because the sun is obviously below the horizon if it's a night sect. Uh, But Mercury is with it. And it, like I was saying, it is a, um, a, a morning star, so it's happy. Um, Jupiter is happy, uh, but not Saturn. Saturn is not with the sun. So there's kind of a mixed bag here. Um, okay, so um, joy by sign, we've already sort of said that one. Um, and then joy by phase. So, um, This is the rest of the planets, because we've already done Mercury. Are they um, in um, a morning rising or an evening rising? Okay, and so uh, the moon is actually happy because it is past the opposition. Okay, and so It is in a waxing phase and it is a night sec chart. And so that makes it happy. Okay, Venus is also uh, an evening star. So she's happy. Mars is an evening star. So she's happy. 
And Jupiter is a morning star rising ahead of the sun. And so he's happy. Saturn is- Isn't the moon approach, like it's moving towards the opposition? It is, but in terms of the phase, like where it sits, when you put the sun opposite in cancer, right? Oh. Yeah. In terms of daily motion, not in terms of zodiacal motion. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yes. No. Good call. Good call. That is confusing. Yes. It, well, and it was to me too. Uh, you have to read it and read it and go, okay, okay. I get it. It's the phase relationship. Okay. And Saturn is a no because he is an evening star. <laughs> He's past the opposition. So then you kind of total them up. Um, and so the sun, you know, uh, would have been happier in a male sign, but um, he's got some sect friends um, and doesn't really have any, you know, sort of in terms of these things, much negative about him. So I gave him a C, whereas A is obviously we're really happy. Uh, B, I gave to the moon uh, because it is Aries and the moon is like, what? <laughs> Um, but in terms of solar phase, he's happy. In terms of hemisphere, he's happy. And he has one of his teammates is there with him. Uh, Mercury is actually happy. He's, uh, you know, he's with his teammate, the sun. Um, he is a morning star. He's happy there. Um, so I gave him a B as well. Uh, Venus, I gave a B plus because other than being in Aquarius, um, she kind of uh, fits, actually, that's probably more of a B because she's not in the right hemisphere. I think I'm just going to give her a B, although she is an evening star. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I mean, this, this part of it kind of gets a little arbitrary, obviously, it's the way you think about it. Okay, Pisces, Mars, has only one real negative, and that's that he's in Pisces. Otherwise, he's, you know, yes for the right hemisphere, yes for the right uh, sign in terms of being a night planet, because he is in a feminine sign. Uh, yes, in terms of phase, so I gave him an A. Jupiter, um, not of sect, but in his own rulership. And he has hemisphere, yes, he has sign, yes. And he has solar phase, yes. So this one is the one I should have made a B plus because he's actually very happy. Yeah. Okay. And Saturn is just back to a C because <laughs> not much good happening there. Okay. So the next thing you look at is, um, okay. Uh, what have I done here? Okay. So the next thing has to do with speed. Um, and, you know, we always think of the sun as uh, moving at one degree. In mm -hmm. this case, it's one degree, one minute. So it, it's, but the speed of the sun isn't really important. And I've yet to run across a case where the speed of the moon has any impact from a Hellenistic point of view, because this is a very fast moon, 14 mm -hmm. minutes, uh, 14, or not for, yeah, 14 minutes and 14 seconds. Um, or 14 degrees, pardon me, and 14 minutes. Um, normally the average is 13. And so this is a very fast moon. Um, Mercury is um, stationing, 
three days earlier. So he's very slow. Mm -hmm. um, and if you, if from a Hellenistic point of view, if the station is within seven days of the birth, it emphasizes the planet. Mm -hmm. Okay, so makes the planet very active. Okay, so Venus is fast. And uh, faster moving planets are more capable of producing the effects that they want to produce. So Mars is fast as well. Uh, Jupiter is fast. And of course, Saturn is slow because he is stationing. And he actually stays stations at age 36. So um, this can contribute to kind of a, uh, even though it's in Sag and Saturn, but Saturn, if you kind of combine those three um, perspectives, slow Saturn in a sign like Gemini that wants to think swiftly, my suspicion is, is there are times when his brain kind of grinds to a halt, <laughs> you know, and, and he's not. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and I think sometimes, um, you know, he doesn't necessarily think things through. Um, he probably just goes, Oh, what the heck, you know, because that Saturn is demanding that you really go slow and, you know, yeah, Mercury and Sag isn't going to go slow. And also, yeah, you know, with Sag, Mercury and Sag, I often think of as foot in mouse disease. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. And with the Jupiter right there. Yeah, just open yeah. nose and stick in foot, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. And I, you know, all of us that sort of, you know, live in Canada kind of understand that that might be the case. Okay. So the next thing that you look at is how are the, are the planets directly affected by another planet? And so in the Hellenistic world, this is a three degree orb. And so oftentimes there aren't many aspects at all. Um, and so we have, the sun is actually trining the ascendant. No, trining, yeah, trining the ascendant, okay. Uh, Venus trines um that saturn it's separating though both of these are separating and saturn is on what's called on the 10th to the ascendant uh, but it is separating so a separating aspect is not as powerful as an applying aspect okay but yeah, these sorry. these ones would, <laughs> yeah um, but these ones will still be operative because they were are within three degrees and so, you know, if the Saturn's not functioning well, it is going to create a problem to the way he presents himself. Um, Venus will help kind of that Saturn. Um, uh, so my suspicion is, is it adds an element of charm because Venus is ruled by that Saturn. So there's a bit of a funny kind of mutual reception happening there um, in which, it sort of supports that Saturn. Yeah, Neptune to me, well, in my system, yeah. Neptune yeah. is definitely- And, and the outer planets, I'm not, I'm not saying here that when you do this exercise that, you know, you leave out- No, them, no, but and, and isn't Mercury on the midpoint of Neptune and Jupiter? Oh, yes, that does look like it is. Yes. I think that adds yeah. to the foot in mouth disease <laughs> it definitely would it definitely would okay so then the next thing you look at is um 
sign-based aspects. Okay, so, um, and what we have is uh, the sun is squaring the moon, okay, um, which, at you know, from a modern perspective, this can be a bit of a disconnect at the core of a person's being, where if the sun has an agenda, the moon gets left out. If the moon has agenda, the sun tries to get, you know, buffed out of the way. But there is a place where those two actually have to come to some sort of respectful compromise um, in order for the person to function well. Um, you have a very close set, uh, triangle between the sun and the ascendant, eh? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, no, I uh, yeah, I'd already noted that, you know, so he can pull that sun, you know, I look responsible scenario, you know, he can pull that forward totally. Do you look at its rulership of the 12th? <laughs> uh, yes, if I was looking at um, that actually seems to, from a Hellenistic point of view, come out with the fact of him being under the shadow of his father. Because yeah. the sun in this chart would definitely be dad. Yeah. From a Hellenistic point of view. Yeah. Well, and so. Although I'm sure the name didn't hurt him politically. Well, no, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So does anybody receive any more help? Well, Saturn gets a square from Mars and, or pardon me, a sextile from Mars. And uh, no, it's a square. Pardon me. Yeah. It's just, it's one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. Saturn what, is in Mars? zero and oh, Mars is oh, in Pisces. So this is a sign-based square. Um, yeah, and yeah. so because Mars is what is called on the 10th, it has more of an impact than otherwise one would consider. And again, this is strictly from a Hellenistic point of view. Um, the fact that Jupiter trines the moon, that's huge. That is a huge brownie point for the moon to have a superior trine from Jupiter. Um, and Jupiter is on the 10th to Mars. And so this little combo turns out to have some pretty nice checkpoints in terms of um, elevating the positive functionality of those four planets. Well, Jupiter is just going to function because Jupiter's happy being Jupiter and Sag, right? You know, so it helps Mars, it helps the moon, and it helps Saturn. So the next thing that we look at is, um, uh, let's see, oh, and the last one that I didn't mention was Mercury is also on the 10th to Mars and so how well functioning Mercury is. So Mercury functions really well as long as he's doing the sun's agenda, um, which will help with Mars, right? Like getting Mars on the right side of the situation. Uh, Venus, superior sextile to the moon, that also just warms that, that otherwise not very touchy feeling moon up, <laughs> which is helpful. Okay, so then the next thing we look at are bounds, decans, and triplicities. Now, um, let me just point this out on the chart. I just need to, okay, so um, decans are a division of 10, you know, so there's a line here and a line here. 
and specific planets rule each of the, you know, the first 10 degrees, the next 10 degrees, the next 10 degrees. Bounds are a division that encompasses all uh, of the uh, five major planets, excluding the sun and the moon. And so, um, and those divisions are unequal and you need a table, basically. You have to have a table to be able to decide what bound a planet is in. And what you're looking for is the position of the planet. Is it in such a bound, decan, or, and then we have the third thing is triplicity rulers. So the night chart has sign rulerships that, um, or planets that rule specific signs at night and the day chart, diurnal sec charts have signs ruled by a, diur a diurnal planet. Okay, Blech. that's hard to say all of that. Anyway, these are <laughs> things you, you actually have to have you have to have the key in order to be able to read it. Not just and, it's hard to follow. <laughs> yes, yes. So unless you've got her book, but you do need to do it. So for instance, in Justin's chart, um, so the sun, the sun is in bounds of Mercury. So that Mercury gets an extra point. It's in the decan of Jupiter. And so both Jupiter and Mercury are on the sun's team. And so this elevates the sun, gives her more gives him more capacity to fulfill his agenda. Uh, the moon is ruled by Mercury and the sun and also the triplicity of Jupiter. And so it's gonna have to tow the sun's agenda more than a nocturnal moon would necessarily want to, okay? Which is interesting because when he was first suggested to be the leader, he first turned it down. He said, no, you know, I've got a young family. I'm, you know, and so that was his moon speaking. But, you know, then there was a change of heart um, through pressure of uh, avalanche of uh, emails from liberal party members, apparently. So that, you know, obviously hit the moon cord. <laughs> and he went, oh, all right, all right, all right. Okay, so Venus, uh, this would be person personableness, right? You know, in a night chart. Um, so Mercury, Venus, Mercury, you know, on a one-on-one -on -one conversational level, I suspect he's quite charming. Uh, Mars, okay, so here's our first like tough one. And um, Mars is, although it is a feminine sign, it is of the nocturnal sect. Pisces can cope with being in Mars, but he's in Saturn's bounds and, but he's in the decan of Mars and Mars triplicity. And so to me, what this says is when he needs the Mars, he can do the Mars, um, but he's gonna do it in a Piscean way, right? Which isn't easy to attack because where do you see the sword in the ocean, right? You know, it's like, yeah, it was a bit with that Neptune opposition to the yes. Saturn. Yeah, exactly. And so um, this is functional, but not necessarily in a good way. Um, okay, so Saturn, though, has it's in the bounds of Mercury, so that helps. It has the decan of Jupiter, that totally helps. 
and its mm -hmm. triplicity ruler is Mercury as well. So even though Saturn sits up there on the 10th in the Hellenistic thing, is retrograde, is a bunch of things that is typically not necessarily all that good, and especially that prominent sitting on the 10th, has some support. Okay, so when I kind of added this all up, I went, okay, so Venus, although she is of the sect in favor, that Jupiter is just sort of commands the, what I thought would be, you know, when really good things would happen in his life. And so, um, and again, I'm using this as an exercise of, do you use the planet that is, um, 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 what's the word for it? Um, I just spaced out. Ah, I hate that. The, ones okay. the one that gets the A? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the one that gets all the A's, or do you take the one that is um, functional but challenged, you know? And so I kind of went, you know, I got his biography out. I um, looked at when things were happening and what I did is I picked several of the challenging times in his life, okay? Just to see who, um, you know, was Jupiter helping, helping him out? In what way was Jupiter? And in what way was Saturn not necessarily helping? right? Because Saturn is kind of the guy that's not terribly functional in this chart. Okay, so the first thing that I did is I thought, okay, so what should I use? Well, obviously, transits are going to count. Um, I also used uh, the ancient technique called annual perfections. And I also used solar returns, which is another piece that I've been studying over this past, well, last year, the whole year I was studying it. And um, between these three things, transits, um, annual perfections, and solar returns, I looked at, you know, what could we see for some of the significant years of this guy's life? So the first one I looked at was um so his parents separated in 1977 now what is tricky about his chart and annual perfections is he's born at the very end of the year <laughs> so um when you walk down the hellenistic road this is going to drive you quite mad um, when you have somebody who's born late in the year versus like Jill yourself, you're born at the beginning of the year, which makes that whole system work way easier on the brain. But I picked somebody who was basically a mind bending thing. So unless his parents split up at the very end of 1977, which is highly unlikely, there's only six days left in the year, you have to use the year before the event solar return and annual perfection. And so what we have here is, so um, what's rising in that year. So he was only what, five years old? Yeah, five years old. So 
zero, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, so for him, the divorce was about Venus. And we know that Venus is of the second favor, but it's ruled by that Saturn, right? And so, you know, Venus, although she's helpful in his chart, Venus years aren't necessarily, and that's biannual perfection, going to make him happy, right? Well, by, by my system, she's in a mutual reception with Uranus, the other ruler. Yes, yeah, so shocking, changeable. Okay, so then I looked at what's rising. Okay, so Scorpio is rising, and that's third house, okay. Um, and Mars is in Sag. So somehow, the ruler of the Ascendant is being supported by this fourth house, Jupiter and Sag, but Scorpio is the actual MC. So a change in the fundamental home was, you know, meant to happen. And he wasn't necessarily all that put out by not having dad around because dad wasn't around. He was prime minister at the time. Um, he didn't really take up activities with his kids until he got out of politics, which is a few years down the road. Because he, he, he ended up with custody. But not in terms of them living with him. They lived with her. She, he had custody, but they lived with her. And so in, in the one Wikipedia thing that I read, he was considered a mama's boy, right? So... Anyway, so, but we can tell that Venus years aren't necessarily, you know, going to be high points with this particular example. Um, the other thing one can look at is that it is Uranus coming up to this, um, you know, fourth house cusp. Uh, Pluto is still, none of these have really moved a lot. Mm. Yeah, for it to make a difference. Okay, so the sec thing, second one I looked at was when dad does retire. So he is now uh, 12. So this is a Jupiter return, if I can remember correctly. Where is Jupiter? Yeah, it is a Jupiter return year. Um, dad retires and all of a sudden dad's got tons of time. And so we've got Leo rising. Um, the sun is in the sixth house. Um, it's day-to-day -day activity now does involve dad. Um, it is a Jupiter return. So, and this is, this is a nice Jupiter, um, you know, so he kind of gets to bond with dad again. Uh, Mercury retrograded. Yep. And the other thing that's probably a bit awkward is Venus is now in Scorpio. And so mm -hmm. he's got to share with his brothers, which I'm sure caused a bit of kerfuffle. Um, Mars, you know, Mars is, is opposite where the moon normally is, which is up here in um, Aries by natally, right? And so, yeah, there, there would have been some kerfuffling going on. Um, you know, yeah. Mars in the third. Right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I'm sure. But the other thing that happened is all three of them started receiving $20,000 a year. <laughs> from a trust fund that dad had set up. Okay, so the next one I went to was um, his brother. So his younger brother dies in a 
accident in '98, uh, and so this should be '97. Yeah, and so this was one of the ones where Sag came right up. And if I hadn't have read the part where, you know, um, in the biography thing on Wikipedia, it said, you know, that he was basically a lapsed Catholic until his brother died. Um, and so here we have that, um, you know, sort of the happiest planet is, is chart has come forward to support him, um, you know, unwittingly, obviously. Um, you know, this wouldn't have been anything a, an astrologer would have wanted to predict that his brother would pass. Um, the shock of it, Mars, Uranus in the third house of siblings. Venus is also come back to her home sign and her home position. Um, and so this would have had a very profound effect, but Jupiter helped him through it. Moon in Scorpio, of course, is in his third house of sibling. Um, could have been a case of self undoing, but it didn't. Um, you know, Saturn is on the moon. This would have been, you know, um, he wasn't, how old was he? He was, let's see, 97 from 70. So 27, 28, 27. Yeah. No, 26, pardon me, 26. Yeah. Yeah. So it would have been quite a year, um, but that Jupiter definitely helped him through it and, you know, sort of speaks to him getting over um, or, or bringing back religion into his life. Yeah. Okay. The next one, which I think a lot of people kind of see as his launching although at the time he wouldn't have thought so. Um, but what made him become a viability for public office was when his father passed and his Saturn finally <laughs> did a good thing for the, for the guy. Um, okay, so this is, um, his father died in 2000 in October and um, he gave a eulogy which blew people away. Um, and, um, you know, so I'm like, oh, okay, we got to look at this chart because I got to see why is that Saturn so happy? Where Jupiter was and Pluto on natal Mercury. Exactly. So the power of that speech and the fact that Jupiter. Um, really dignifies that. We've got Jupiter itself up in the 10th house, right with that Mars. So the passion, the moon, Aries passion would have been evident. Um, and Venus is really, really helping out Saturn, <laughs> you know, Venus opposite. And the moon was Leo, right? He was speaking about his dad. Mm. And we've got Cancer rising. Um, and so, you know, it's, in unwittingly seizing the moment, it left a stamp on, you know, the country's consciousness, at least within the Liberal Party, of, um, you know, someone who has the chutzpah to do what he did, get up and speak. And, you know, fortunately, that Venus was um, really getting that Saturn to work well. <laughs> Plus, 
Pluto was in there going, I have a job for you down the road. <laughs> moon, moon is trining his natal moon. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And sextiling Uranus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so at the beginning of this year, you know, if you had been his astrologer back in, in 1999, you might not have suggested that dad would die, although seventh house in the sun there is not uncommon for a parent to pass. Um, but, um, you know, there would have been some indications that you could do things that would be supportive of career with that really happy Jupiter up there in the 10th. And Pierre was pretty old. Yes, he was. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, this would have come as no big surprise. Okay, so moving first, uh, gets his start in politics, I think is the next one. Yeah. Okay. So he did a bunch of like meandering in university, right? He started a bunch of things and never finished them. He does have two degrees that he did finish. You know, obviously he was a teacher for a while, um, but he was asked after, you know, like with um, the declining um, fortunes of the liberal party, he was asked to run in Montreal um, in a riding, you know, to sort of help boost the profile for the liberals. And um, so this is the chart of the year that he wins his just riding seat in Papineau, the district of Montreal, I guess. And so here we have, again, that sun is actually um, has a lot of action to it from, you know, what, uh, what we did in the beginning. Um, and so, and again, we have Pluto Mercury, but now it's in Capricorn. And so this would have harkened back to that speech that he made when his dad died 14 years earlier, right? The power of the voice. Jupiter itself is um, in Leo. It is trining his natal Jupiter. So it's you know, it's sort of saying, hello, Jupiter. And if I can remember correctly, let me just, I need to quickly look at what annual perfection this was. That's good. Being Jupiter in the eighth is kind of, in Leo, it's kind of playing off the speech about his dad. When oh, exactly. And, and the, you know, and the fact that everybody in the party knew him, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so, uh, here. So he was in a 11th house, 11th house? Uh, no, he was in a 12th house perfection year. Oh. Yeah. And um, Saturn's in the opposition to where it was in his birth chart. Yeah. So Jupiter in the 12th, um, now in the eighth, but again, it's Jupiter. So if it had been any other solar return, this wouldn't have worked out so well. Um, he didn't win a landslide or anything in his first election, um, but he did win it, right? And so, you know, in, in, a, in a future context, one would, would think that, you know, if you knew your chart, you know who's the happiest planet, you know who's your Achilles heel, that, you know, if you're making big moves, you're going to want that, happy planet to be in good condition, <laughs> in, 
in the year that you decide to do that. Okay, so the landslide um, wins the election, 2015. I actually worked on this election in, at, in the, you know, helping people cast votes thing. I was never invited back again. I was way too entertaining. <laughs> Somebody'd walk in the door and I'd go, oh, you're so handsome, come to my table. And the rest of the room would be just like, you said that? <laughs> anyway, I was never asked to come back and help with the elections, but I had fun. <laughs> anyway, nobody voted for my candidate, but such is life. Okay, so, um, oh, this is the one before that, pardon me. This is not the one I want. I want uh, 2000 and, okay. Let me set that up. That's not the right one. Okay, this is there. It is. That's the one I want. Okay, so dual wheels. I want uh, Justin, and I want this one. I think. Yep, this is the one I want. All right. Sorry about that, folks. Um, okay, so sharing the correct chart. Okay, so here we have 2014-2015, won it in October. Um, and again, we have, you know, the Capricorn is emphasized, which is good in terms of him putting himself out there. Um, I forgot to mention that the sun is in one of the happier houses in the fifth house. Mm. Uh, we have moon Mars opposite Jupiter. And this was, um, seems to me, no, that's not the right one. We should have done before Jupiter was trining Jupiter. And exactly. Doing that again. And, you know, it's, um, he is in, okay, so here it is. He's in a Jupiter year. He's in a seventh house perfection, which is, um, he, that good Jupiter rules this seventh house. And so having Jupiter in the eighth, what I thought was interesting about this is, the 150 seat gain that was made, that Mars, Moon, the whole team thing, the fact that, you know, the Liberal Party were able to make such a huge comeback. Uh, moon, Mars, opposite that Jupiter, you know, brought the community with him and had to work with the community. Jupiter in the eighth house, he couldn't just do it alone. Uh, Mars, also is aspecting an MC in the 11th house. The 11th house is like audience. Um, yeah. So my, you know, sort of my final shtick about this um, was, is the fact that, um, and somehow my timer got stopped. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, well. I have no idea how much time we've taken. How much time? Probably it's 1.30, so probably. Yeah, it's probably getting close to the end. Anyway, so unfortunately, I haven't been able to. So part two will be next week. 
And I'm taking these same principles and I'm looking at the chart of a young woman who is just turned 20 and seeing what her happiest planet is, what her nemesis might be. Um, and it's not, it's actually in some ways, it's an even um, healthier chart than this one, um, but it's giving her an idea of the timings that she might want to take advantage of. You know, because if we were to take this, this process and project it into the future, I mean, there's, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I should be able to, using these types of techniques, give her an insight into, if it's possible, take advantage of these years and these parts of your chart. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's, that's the theory that I'm sticking to. <laughs> And so next week, we will have a look at, um, uh, oh, she is one of the Gen Xs. Is that the show we did? Yeah, we did a show on, she is a Gen Xer. So it's Maggie. And we will have a look at her chart and um, three possible really significant years coming up in the next few years. So not so far away that uh, I won't be able to just see if my predictions are even remotely correct. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, in theory, we have spoken for an hour. And uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thank you all for listening. Um, and you are listening, a reminder, to CJMP 90.1 FM, Cathet Regions Community Radio Station. And we will see you next week. Bye.